Welcome to Reclaim Your Health, the show for women who are committed to improving their health on the physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Here are your hosts, Dr. Rachel Haviland and Genevieve Khan. Welcome to another episode of Reclaim Your Health. I'm Dr. Rachel Haviland. And I'm Genevieve Khan. And today we're going to be talking with Paula Yoles. Now, Paula is a foodtastic health wellness expert. She helps women who are sick and tired of feeling stuck in their body, mind, and food, clear negative self-talk, and consistently eat healthy so they have a healthy body, happy mind, and vibrant life without giving up their favorite foods. Paula draws on her 20-plus years of holistic and emotional wellness background to bring a non-judgmental openness to her teaching of individualized eating, efficient cooking, and how to release the most deeply rooted roadblocks women have to full body health. It's great to have you with us today, Paula. Thank you, Genevieve and Rachel, for having me. I'm really excited. I've really been enjoying your podcast myself. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. I'm glad you've been enjoying it. Yes. This is a really interesting subject because we talk on the show a lot about food. And it's a topic, obviously, that comes up in our daily lives. But often we think about what it is we should eat, when we should eat, maybe where where we should eat or with who. But we don't actually think about what's going on through our heads at the time. And I loved what you said in your bio about negative self-talk. So tell us more about what you find with your clients and possibly with yourself <laughs> that, that, uh, that has been going through your head and your clients' heads uh, with regard to food, because I think this is such a unique topic. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. It's a great question. So um, it did start, my journey did start with my own negative self-talk. <laughs> um, I realized that I was spending a lot of my day thinking about food thinking negative things about food, like, oh, I can't believe I just ate that. Why did I eat that? I'm going to feel bad later. Even though in the moment when I ate it, I was enjoying it and ignoring that later, I knew I wouldn't be enjoying it, whether it was the next day or a few hours later. And a lot of my clients have the same thing where they just say, like, I'm tired of being consumed in my mind, in my body, with food. And our childhood history and relationship with food really greatly impacts that. For most of us, kind of what happened when we were growing up, maybe there was an abundance of food, but you were shamed around eating what was available, or maybe there was a lack of food, and so there's scarcity, and so then you're always worrying about, will there be enough? And, And so our emotions get really tied into that. That was going to be my next question. Okay, if we have this negative self-talk, where is it coming from? And that makes a lot of sense. And we've talked about that before in another podcast about how our upbringing and our, you know, our family dynamics around food, can we can really pass it on to our kids. So, yeah, that, that just... It just, it just blows my mind, really, you know, what damage we could be doing to our kids <laughs> without, so any, without even thinking, really. It's true. And the other place it really comes from, too, is the wider society and TV, movies, magazines. It's just everywhere around you have to look a certain way. Yeah, I was going to say social media now. It's not just yeah. TV, you know, radio, advertising. Um, magazines, everything like that. It's, it's something we see all the time on, on social media. Yes, it is. And so I feel like um, the best place to start is with 
ourselves is to figure out how to have a better emotional relationship with food ourselves and and have compassion for ourselves and realize, well, you know what, all this stuff came at me from my family possibly or society, but I have a choice to make to come to inner peace with where I'm at and move forward and figure out what's best for my body and move around it. And then it it spreads. What I found with my clients is when one person in the household makes choices to shift something, it spreads out into the other people in the household. Like one of my clients, she started changing her eating and her husband, and there was like no pressure on her husband to change his eating at all, but she would start eating more vegetables. And so he just started eating more vegetables because they were available. And even the dog in the house started begging to have vegetables. <laughs> so, I love that. I love that. It spreads throughout the entire family. <laughs> that's so cute. I love that. And what's great, uh, I personally don't like to give our dog people food, but vegetables aren't really, you know, they're not high calorie foods. So I can see how somebody would give their dog that. And vegetables, like I think probably long ago, like there's wild carrots out there and maybe dogs. I don't really know, but I'm just hypothesizing dogs maybe dug up the wild carrots and ate them, you know. So So I, I think it's really important for us to work on work on our mindset and our thoughts and beliefs around food before we even go on Facebook again and see see all those triggers for us. <laughs> and and in one sense, you know, every time you do go on social media and see food or see some kind of setting where people are drinking or eating, uh, which is pretty much all the time it can be some kind of trigger. So where, do, where should we start with trying to find compassion for ourselves and trying to work out what it is, the, these beliefs that we have and, and how to change them? So for me, I actually had a lot of uh, anger pent up inside of me. And so I think for different people, it's a different feeling that often is pushed inside of themselves. And so I found somebody to work with um, who could support me around releasing my anger and letting it out in a safe environment. I wasn't throwing it onto my partner or my son or anything like that. I was just in a safe space to do that and release it. And um, and also I've done a lot of um, tapping, emotional freedom technique work where I'm working on I'm releasing my anger. So finding a safe space to be able to tune into yourself and see what's going on and peel those layers. And then the other thing is is to like in a con that's like on a deep emotional level, but a quick action thing somebody could do around the food piece and their emotions is to Think about like what's one little thing you want to shift or change in your eating. So um, like for me, I used to eat at night really late right before bed and then I wouldn't feel good basically all night. My stomach would be gurgling. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to stop eating earlier. And so I put notes up around my house so you could pick your one thing and somehow maybe put little notes to yourself around it. And there were times I slid back and made a mistake. And I just like, was like, okay, it's okay. It's not, you know, I just did positive self-talk. So picking one tiny action to change and then positive self-talk when you make a mistake and be like, oh, well, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of beating yourself up, it takes practice. 
What a it does because we have <laughs> we have so many years of braiding ourselves. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. It's very hard to get out of that pattern. And what I find really fascinating is the pattern of somebody who is overeating to begin with. Where where, where does that come from? I wonder. I think it's probably not as simple as just you know, a one sentence answer. Yeah. I mean, I think it from the work I've done on myself and with clients, I think it, a lot of it stems down from our childhood patterns again and um, stuffing our emotions through eating. I think it's so common in our modern day society and also being disconnected from eating nowadays, I think is happening even more because people are on their phone while they're eating or on the computer while they're eating and not even being attached to the food. So I think that is a new modern day overeating pattern that's developing. Did that answer your question? Yeah, actually, yeah, it really does. Thank you, Paul. I think it's, yeah, it's almost like there's an awareness, but it's almost like shutting off a part of oneself. Yes, perfectly said. <laughs> Is it me or do you hear a high-pitched whistle too? That's the cricket in my house. <laughs> I, told, I told Genevieve before we started about it, I can't, I couldn't find it. I'm very sorry. It's hilarious. No, as long as I know what it is. Yeah, as long as we know it's not a technical yeah. thing. Everybody, there's a cricket in my house. I'm sorry. sorry. If it was a technical <laughs> issue, we'd fix it. <laughs> it's bringing good luck. That's what it's doing. Exactly. It, it wants to be on the podcast too. <laughs> so, so I was thinking when you were speaking that I'm sure anger is not the only emotion that we stuff down. It's a very common one. And certainly I imagine becoming more common with the more stressed out we become and the way the world is going right now. I, I can totally understand that and resonate with what you said. What other emotions can we kind of stuff in there? Sadness, feeling lonely I'm, and isolated. Um, let's see, not feeling validated or heard, like not having your truth be heard. I mean, the list is huge. It's like basically any feeling where you're not feeling heard or seen or witnessed mm. can get can get stuffed through food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you I know? can I, I can totally see that getting worse as you know. So the power of social media grows because on the one hand we're looking at social media and Instagram and saying I wish I looked like that, not like this, and then the loneliness that comes from social media as well, and you know the division that comes. It just yeah, everything's stacking up against us. But um, I, th I think this, yeah, I think this is a wonderful approach. And I, I love your idea of uh, the, the eat right for you method, because I think that is so important. We talk, we've talked before on other podcast episodes about diets and how they don't work. Yeah. And I think many of us have really got to the point where we just kind of throw our arms up in the air and we just say, I don't, I don't know what to eat anymore. And I think, I think that's the power in your approach, that it comes from a level of, awareness of ourselves and our bodies mm -hmm. and that's be where you start with clients is that right so yeah it's a two-prong approach where we're working on emotions at the same time of working on figuring out what foods are ready are just right for their individual body and what i find is actually most people actually know already which foods are sabotaging their health and which foods are supporting their health and it's 
So it's working with the emotions so that they can then with ease stick with the foods they already know. And like you said, like there's so many different ways of eating out there, you know, diets, styles of eating, whatever you want to call it. And what I've found in my research and is just all of them though have the big thing in common of eating vegetables. So that's really often a place where I start with my clients is, and people could, who are listening to the podcast could do this right now, is even think about five to 10 vegetables that you like or enjoy and write them down and try to boost eating those, like try to just increase the quantity of eating those. So instead of trying to remove something or add in something, you're just starting with something you already enjoy and like in the world of vegetables and increasing it. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that. Over this uh, last couple of weeks, I've actually been working on um, putting more vegetables on the plate for my family too, and then just sitting quietly and watching them eat it. <laughs> 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 and it's stuff that I know that they like. So, you know, it's, and it's nothing that's, that's bad for them, but it's, it's really interesting to, to sit yeah. and watch and go, well, if I give it to them, they will eat it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's yeah that's fantastic i love that rachel that you're just you know kind of gradually putting more vegetables on the plate that's fantastic the other thing that to tie in around eating something um that our society puts on us is um eating fast right like school lunchtime it could be 15 minutes 20 minutes we're eating in the car as adults while we're driving And so that's another quick action that takes practice, but that, you know, people could do is increase their chewing. All of us in modern day could benefit from chewing longer because that's actually the first step of getting your nutrients and helping your digestion. So that... It's so hard. <laughs> right. I know. So again, like I'm into like the little reminder things. Like, you know, like if we have an appointment, we put it on our phone and we put a reminder to remind us. So like your main places you eat, putting little signs that say chew and um, even like having for your family, like a little contest of like who can chew one bite the longest, like make it a fun game kind of thing, you know, for a little bit of practice. And the more people practice, the better you get at it. It is hard. I have to remind myself still, even though it's something I try to be conscious about. Yeah, it's that's something I struggle with definitely. And I have to combine it with kind of, um, you know, mindfulness breathing, basically, <laughs> to, just to bring me into that moment and, and not get distracted by anything else. Because as soon as my mind goes off racing, so does my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and there's like five things, and we've touched on some of them that Like when I get started, I try to get people to boost in their lives instantly. One was boost your vegetables by starting with vegetables you like. The other one is is the boosting of connection to the food. And you said like the mindfulness of actually stopping before you eat, even if it means you're driving and eating like before you put the first bite in, try to take a breath or two. And I try to get people to boost their water intake, which I know you've talked about in other uh, fabulous podcasts. And it doesn't, doesn't hurt to repeat that one though, definitely. <laughs> and the last one, Rachel and Genevieve, is to boost your fun in your life because the more fun we have, the happier our brain is and our digestion works better and we get more nutrients from our food if we're feeling happy when we're eating as opposed to 
having, you know, negative feelings around something. Yeah, so. yeah. And that one, again, is, is a challenge coming back to, you know, all our negative self-talk related yeah. to food, definitely. Yeah, the mind-body connection is just so important, though. And uh, if we are more mindful of what we're eating uh, in general and more, more mindful of how we're eating, it ultimately will help our bodies. I'd like to come back to the one you mentioned about having more connection to, to the food. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that we have these days is that we're so busy that a lot of people just don't find the time to cook anymore and certainly don't find the time to cook like we used to. Would you agree that that not cooking is really taking away much of that connection to the food? You know, preparing it from scratch is just such a wonderful way to connect with, you know, where the food has grown, who's grown it, and the the connection that we have with the nutrition that's going to bring to our bodies. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's something I'm really passionate about as part of my own healing and my client's healing is getting connected to food through cooking. And it's, again, it takes practice. And, and, I, and also learning how to cook efficient is something that's really, I think, helpful for people um, to do. And so, like, that's something I help people learn how to do is how to learn some simple recipes that are, you enjoy and your family would enjoy that you don't actually even necessarily have to follow the recipe after you've cooked them a few times. And that you can like ones that you could swap out whatever protein you already have in the house and vegetables could swap out like a stir fry. You can use any vegetables. You could use any protein pretty much. And it, you know, most kids like it and most adults like it. You know, there's occasional people that don't. (laughs) And so that can be really helpful for people to get, back into the kitchen and cooking and not have it consume their time in life. So, right, because the modern day used to be one adult when it was a two adult household. One adult was taking care of the kids, taking care of the household and doing cooking and the other one's going out and making an income. Our modern life nowadays, both people generally need to work or want to work, which is nothing wrong with that. So how do you make that work? So batch cooking, like if you're going to cook dinner, make it double the size. So then you've got leftovers for lunches or dinner later in the week. Um, so that type of thing. Kids like usually help with cooking some so they could cut up some of the vegetables or stir, you know, depending on their age, what they could do to help. And that could make it more joyful for the adult also and connect it. And then I think it's occasionally going down to the farmer's market and interacting with the farmers helps you to be attached to the food too, because we kind of just pick it up at the grocery store and we don't think about it. I think think that's such an important one because if you ask most kids where the food comes from, they say in the grocery store. Exactly. (laughs) And they really have no clue unless they've learned at school or learned from TV, you know, how the food is actually grown. So I think that's wonderful to take them and actually introduce them to it and for them to learn what it actually takes for these vegetables to be grown for them and how long it takes and which is another lesson in patience. And something fun could be like to have a pot, a pot um, grow like basil or parsley or something. It could even be inside your house, you know, so they can experience that um, and get more attached to the food. 
And so again, it's simple, like starting, like if you're cooking zero times a week, see if you could start cooking once a week. And after you've done that for a month, and if you're like confident, and be like, okay, now I'm going to try to cook for two meals. And, you know, just slow, steady change, I think, leads to new patterns and new success. Definitely. It's not like we become master chef overnight. <laughs> and for those people starting from scratch, I, I read in one of your testimonials that you actually teach people how to do everything from scratch, including how to cut the vegetables, which is great for people who didn't, don't really know how to cook right now. Right. That's exactly. Wonderful. Right. Thanks. Like, I know how to... Like I could sew a button on and uh, in a pinch of like my hem or my pants fall out, I could sew it. But anything beyond that, I need to go and learn how to sew. So a lot of people don't know necessarily how to cook the same thing. So I start where they're at and we do one-to-one cooking classes or I do group cooking classes and I do, you know, where they're at and teach them the skill and and again, it's flexible recipes. So if I'm doing a group cooking class and one person likes chicken and the other person doesn't, we can have different proteins to make it work for the group. And I find um, like one of my clients, Liz, she, when she first came to me, she was uncomfortable with going in the grocery store. It made her anxious going in the grocery store. And so um, she happens to live close to me. So we met at the grocery store and I had set up Plan and we went through and we made it streamlined for her. So she started with a list that we made ahead of time. She was prepared and we went through and anytime emotions came up, we worked through that too. So, you know, really it's the whole shebang I could support people with because you never know what, you know, grocery stores can be overwhelmed. Right, right. Well, especially when you find that you have these emotional roadblocks. What do you find is the end result? What kind of benefits do your clients see from actually releasing these emotional blocks? What difference does it make in their life? Well, their brain is drastically less consumed with negative self-talk connected to food or their body image stuff connected to food. They're enjoying eating their food and not worrying about it when they're eating it. They're cooking for themselves more so, or for their family, so they're eating healthier. So they have a lot of them lose weight without trying to. They, their digestion generally feels better. or They had acid reflux. It goes away. Um, it spreads to the family, like I said earlier. Uh, some of them who had uh, joint pain or inflammation, that decreases. I mean, just... Getting real food into our bodies makes a big difference. Just like if you put car gas in the car that has something in it that's not supposed to be in there, the car is going to start running poorly, and that's the same with our food on the go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're putting in food that's going to eventually make our bodies not feel well. And it's a process. It's not like a 30-day quick fix. It takes a good 6, 9, 12 16 months to, for some people, it depends to see the change. And I imagine that as they start to feel a more control over the food and eating in their lives, that that sense of um, kind of certainty and control can expand out to other areas of their lives too. So I can see how this would impact other areas where they might be struggling. Yeah, often they can go out to eat and feel more joyous because they know what to eat, how to talk to the restaurant about it. 
Um, so socializing becomes more joyous. Often they're ready to move their bodies more. So it does ooze out. So. Wonderful. Well, such great insights. Thank you so much. But uh, we need to switch into the wrap-up round, Jen. Yes, we do, unfortunately. This has been such a great conversation. Now, Paula, what is the best piece of life or health advice you've ever received? Self-compassion leads to self-love, which leads to the best possible you, and you deserve that. Beautifully said. Definitely. What's a daily habit that has helped you reclaim your health? Okay, well, in addition to cooking and eating whole foods, (laughs) I love listening to um, music or podcasts that are uplifting for me. And I also intentionally stay away from things that drain my energy, um, like certain social media things or certain news stations. I just stay away. Yeah, that's a wonderful idea. It's something that um, I think we could all stand to do more often. Thanks, Genevieve. And my newest thing I've added in is I'm starting to learn how to hula hoop again. So I love that. So I'm doing a hula hooping and that it's lots of fun and it's, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm working on making a new daily habit. It's not daily yet. I love that. I used to hula hoop when I was young. What fun. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Uh, Paula, do you have a health resource or an app that you love that you'd like to recommend? I love listening to um, Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose. I don't know if you've heard of that one at all. Jay Shetty is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I listen to... um, Deepak Chopra and Oprah, they have 21-day meditation experience, and I often meditate in listening to them. Yeah, I do that too. It's really wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Paula. This has been wonderful. If you could give our listeners one final piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, thanks, Rachel. Well, I would say find one positive, healthy action that you can start doing right away without feeling any resistance against it. And so that you could start moving forward and start a new routine. If you're feeling resistance around it, find a different one that you don't feel resistance. So you can be at the start heading towards healthier you. That sounds great. And it's really such a great goal that we head towards, you know, the the healthiest versions of ourselves. Now, Paula Yoles, what is the best way to contact you uh, for our listeners? And if you have a gift that you'd like to offer? Thanks, Genevieve. Um, the best way to reach me is on Facebook. You can join my new Facebook group. It's called Hello to Health Sisterhood. Hello to Health Sisterhood. And you can also friend me on Facebook and uh, you know contact me directly through direct messaging. I'm happy to interact in a, um, with any of your listeners who'd like to. And I um, would like to offer your guests I have uh, five fun ways to make cooking flow so your health will thank you. And it's a guide. And, I, and I'm added in an extra bonus of 25 healthy recipes for busy people. Well, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Paul Yoles, for being with us today, sharing your wisdom, your expertise, and uh, you know, sharing so many great tidbits and great uh, pieces of advice about you know this important important topic healthy eating so thank you all so much who are listening to this podcast as always we are holding a space for each of you to reclaim your health thanks so much thank you thank you for joining us on this episode of reclaim your health 
Listen in to our past shows at reclaimyourhealth.us and connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reclaimyourhealthpodcast. Want to learn more? Download our simple steps to essential self-care at reclaimyourhealth.us slash free gifts.